Hi and welcome to St Ninian Sermons Podcast. I'm Stuart and I'm the Minister at St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse in Scotland. St Ninian's is a local ecumenical partnership between the United Reformed Church and the Church of Scotland and so we reflect both traditions in our work and worship. This week in worship we focused on John chapter 21 verses 1 to 14. So let's hear the passage read by Norma and then listen to the sermon. The reading is from John chapter 21, verses 1 to 14. Jesus appears to seven disciples. After this, Jesus appeared once more to his disciples at Lake Tiberias. This is how it happened. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel, the one from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples of Jesus were all together. Simon Peter said to the others, I am going fishing. We will come with you, they told him. So they went out in a boat, but all that night they did not catch a thing. As the sun was rising, Jesus stood at the water's edge, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus, and then he asked them, Young men, have you caught anything? Not a thing, they answered. He said to them, Throw your net out on the right side of the boat, and you will catch some. So they threw the net out and could not pull it back because they had caught so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken his clothes off and jumped into the water. The other disciples came to shore in the boat, pulling the net full of fish. They were not very far from land, about a hundred yards away. And when they stepped ashore, they saw a charcoal fire. There was fish on it and some bread. Then Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net ashore full of big fish. 153 in all, even though there were so many, still the net did not tear. And Jesus said to them, Come and eat. None of the disciples dare ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. So Jesus went over, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This then was the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Amen. Had it only been three years ago? Three years since he sailed into our homes and our hearts, smiling telling stories, gathering up us in his wake. To be honest, we'd coasted until then, comfortable in our everyday routines, compelled by, well, the cords of family obligation, content with what we had until he called us. And we found our hearts restless. Follow me. And we did. We embarked upon a great voyage. Not across the Galilee, but across a stranger sea, the sea of life. Sometimes the sailing was smooth, sometimes it was stormy, and towards the end it was dangerous with undercurrents and the threat to draw us into the deep. But now we were beached on the shore where it had all begun, bonded by despair and death and disaster, 
we went fishing. Sailed again upon the Galilee. With muscle memory rusty, our backs aching, we cast our nets the way that we'd always done. Isn't it interesting how often we go back to what we know? How even when we've been exposed to something new and exciting and perhaps potentially life-changing, we wake up the next day, we try to get out of bed and our knees are still sore and our back still hurts and it's cold and damp and we slip back into the same habits, the same old routine that we've always had. It's almost like we're hardwired to do it. It's why giving up smoking or giving, uh, losing weight is so really difficult. It's because they're not about that thing. To be successful in changing, you have to change. You need a new normal. That's why when you come off your diet, your weight goes back up. Because diets don't create new habits. That's why when you find yourself in a situation where you would once have had a cigarette and somebody offers you one, you take one before you think because that's what you've always done. You haven't changed. And it happens in all kinds of ways in our lives. I was watching a documentary the other day about the Barcelona football team. It's called Take the Ball, Pass the Ball. Johan Cruyff, the Dutch footballer, changed the whole philosophy of how Barcelona would play. It was known at one point as total football. You know how in the past, defenders defended and their job was either to break somebody's legs or get the ball or best still get both. Yeah? And they might be able to head it, but they couldn't really pass it. They just lumped the ball up in the park. That was their job. Get it and get rid of it. Yeah? Just like... <laughs> It'd be absolutely brilliant if Motherwell centre-halves could actually do that, Danny. They weren't expected to be able to play, to pass, to dribble. Just get it out of here. Get rid of it. Defenders would never take the ball off the goalkeeper in a pass. They just wouldn't. It just never happened. Pep Guardiola took that philosophy and changed everything and created probably the best team that's ever been, obviously apart from the Scottish Cup one in Motherwell side <laughs> and perhaps the 1978 Scotland team. But apart from that, but what was interesting about the story is that some of the players didn't like it. People said things like, that's not how I play. Doesn't suit me. I want more of the ball or less of the ball. And guess what Pep did? Sold them. Samuel Eto'o was playing for Barcelona at that time. And the year before he just won World Player of the Year. Pep sold them because he didn't like the style. They couldn't break their habits. He once substituted a centre-half at half-time because he played a long ball once. Don't want you to do that. want you to pass the ball. But they couldn't do it. They couldn't break the habits. They couldn't learn a new way of being. Even though they could see the results were amazing. 
Even though they could see things were better, things were improving, they were winning more games, they still couldn't change. The real change was at the heart of how Cruyff and Pep Guardiola think about football. And one of the things they both talk about is they cared much less about winning than they did about how the game was played, which is a bizarre thing to say for a football manager. They didn't really care if they won. They cared about how the game was played. Sir Ken Robinson talks about creativity, which is something you kind of see in football unless you support Aikis. I had to say it. Not you back. He says this, you will never create anything if you're not prepared to fail. You'll never create anything if you're not prepared to fail. And he says that because, well, because nobody gets it right the first time. All the best things that have ever been invented have gone through thousands of iterations. Nobody gets it right the first time. We have to keep trying and learning and changing and adapting. It'd been a long night, longer because of the lack of fish. And as the night turned to the day's dawn, a voice amplified by the water called from the shore, try the other side. Try the other side. <laughs> try the other side. Okay. We're fishermen. We've always done this. Despite all the things that they'd seen and done and lived through, it feels as though their three years with Jesus had just been an extended holiday. Bit of a kind of gap year that had grown. And now here they were, back home, back in their familiar surroundings, back with the people who knew them and loved them, back with the things that they knew. And so they find themselves back in their old lives. But they'd never really left them completely. I think we probably have an idea that the disciples had spent three years with Jesus and that's all that they'd done during those three years. They had wandered around with him, they'd sat and listened to teaching, they had seen some miracles, and, but every day was about that. But it wasn't. For most of that three years they lived in Capernaum, a village on the shores of Lake Galilee, and that's where Peter and Andrew and James and John had come from. It's where they grew up, it's where they fished, it's where Peter had got married, where his mother-in-law lives. It's, it's home to them. And all of a sudden, into their normal, day-to-day, hard-working lives, wanders Jesus, a rabbi who needs some disciples. And he chooses them. And that's weird in the first place because they're rubbish. They've not been chosen already. They're not the smartest kids. They've gone into the family business. They're fishermen and carpenters and tax collectors and all kinds of things. If they'd been any good at this, some other rabbi would have chosen them already. But they hadn't. But they still had stuff to do. You can't just step out of your life in these days. Nobody's going to like, buy you food and all that kind of stuff. In between all of their adventures, they lived a normal life. Obviously, their normal life was a bit weird because it was 
you know, interspersed with miraculous things and amazing things. And, and you know, Jesus was there. And in some ways, it's what we do with holidays, isn't it? We, we work really hard and we save up really hard and then we go on an adventure. And then we come home again. And the adventure's enough to keep us going until the next one. Isn't it? It's enough, it's enough to look forward to the next one, to plan and to, to look forward. Or we go and see a show or a film or a sporting event where something amazing happens. And while we're there, we witness something extraordinary. We know it. We can see it. Something more, something that transcends life, that transports us just for a while. And then we come home. And the bills still need, still need pain. And there's no food in the fridge. And you have to set your alarm to get up for working in the morning. And when you get there, after a fortnight off, you sit and look at your computer and wonder, what is it I do? What's my password? <laughs> and before long, we're back into the swing of our lives, doing the things we've always done. Being with the people we've always been with. We might spend a few days telling people how amazing our holiday was, but to be honest, they don't really care. You've probably worked that out by now. They don't want to see 300 photos of Disneyland again. <laughs> They'll smile and nod. And it reminds them of good times that they've had too, but honestly, you know, half an hour's enough. Just get back to work. But Jesus had appeared to these people. He'd spent time with them and then he'd gone again. He disappeared just as quickly as he came. Jerusalem wasn't a safe place for them so they went home. And they get into the boat and they go fishing well because that's what they do. What else are they going to do? They have no other plans and to be honest no discernible skills. So they're cold and they're wet and they're miserable and they've caught nothing. It turns out they're not even very good at fishing anymore. And then this happens. Have you ever had anyone with no discernible skills or knowledge about the thing that you do give you advice? Because none of us have ever done that. But, you know, have you ever been on the, the, the end of that? Where somebody comes up to you and says, you should try this. You're thinking... What on earth do you know about that? How do you feel? Do you take their advice? Or do you go, I cheers. <laughs> and go on with what you're doing. The thing that you know. As the nights turned to dawn, a voice was amplified by the water. It called from the shore, try the other side. But we'd always done it this way. Try the other side. Ha. <laughs> Same water. Try the other side. What possible difference could it make? What possible difference could it make to throw the net over one side or the other of a boat that's not very big in the first place? But it's the small things that make a difference, isn't it? Those new habits, 
And trust, trust is important. And continuing to trust that it's true. You can never truly go back just on. We can choose to ignore our experience of God if we want to. It's really easy. We do it all the time. We can choose not to be transformed by it. Love and grace and forgiveness are all gifts. Gifts that are offered to us but that we have to accept. We can choose to just keep on on, keeping on. To do the same old thing in the same old way. Even though we know deep in our hearts we shouldn't. That we should be doing something different. But change is sometimes just too painful. Too difficult. Takes too much effort. The disciples could have chosen to shout back, Aye, right, mate, thanks. Sling your hook. But they didn't. They didn't. There was something about that voice. Maybe it was the tone. Maybe it was the authority. Maybe, who knows what it was, but it made them do something different. And to be honest, what did they have to lose? It's not like they'd had a hugely successful night of fishing, was it? The nets were empty. Pulling in an empty net and throwing it over the other side really doesn't take that much effort. But I wonder, I wonder what if this strange account of a meeting with the risen Christ is something else? What if this is a parable? A story for us to place ourselves in the middle of and to wonder about. To wonder about what is it that we've been working hard at that hasn't really been working? Is there something that Jesus might be asking us to do differently? Or maybe try something new? What if this is a story about our own call to follow Jesus? What if it's a reminder that we still encounter the risen Christ and that he still has things for us to do? What if this isn't the destination? What if it's not the end point? What if it's not the goal of faith? What if this is just a stepping stone, a pit stop on our journeys? What if we're being called to throw our nets out of the other side of our boat? What would that even look like for us? What would our equivalent be? What are our nets? And where's the other side? What is it that we are doing that's not working as well as we might hope? But with a small change might be completely different. What's the thing that we think we would love to try but somebody somewhere said, nah, that'll never work. We've never done that before. Or even better, we tried that once. Once. And it wasn't very good. Once. Who are the people we never meet? Who are the people that we never invite? 
Who are the people that we never imagine might have something to offer to us or that we might have something to offer to them? But wait. Heaving nets and the pungent smell of freshly caught fish, 153 kinds, one of every known variety. Not a net full of fish that are all the same, but a net full of fish that are all different. A catch that represents the whole of the world. And at that point, a familiar astonishment stole over the disciples as fire-cooked fish called from the shore. I love that in the story, Jesus already has fish. They don't have any fish. Jesus has got fish. He's already cooking fish, making them another miraculous meal. And he's waiting for them. And Jesus waits for us, waits for us to empower us in the same way that he empowered them, to remind them of all the things that they already knew, to give them a bit more confidence, to put their fishing days behind them and to step out once and for all on the next part of their journey. Our journey. I wonder what's next? What's next? What's next for our church? What's Jesus calling us to? What's next for you? What's next for me? And how do we know? Jesus fed them with the food of heaven, preparing them for a new journey. And their hearts grew restless and then still. We know. We know those moments because we feel the same. Our hearts grow restless and then still. What's next? What have we been called to? More importantly, what are we being led into by the Christ who always goes before us? Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find us on anchor.fm where we make this podcast. You can leave us a voice message with any questions or comments. You can also find us on Facebook at St Ninian's Church Stonehouse and on Twitter at St Ninian's Stonehouse. You can find out about all the other things that we do and our church throughout the week. If you're in the neighbourhood and want to join us in person, we meet for worship at 11am every Sunday and we'd love to see you. Mm-hmm.